Chapter ten of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter ten. Dieppe, October eighteen twelve. Second vacation at Combourg. The Conti Regiment camp at saint-malo an abbey the theatre marriage of my two elder sisters return to college commencement of a revolution in my mind i returned to dol much to my regret the following year the project of a descent upon guernsey was entertained and a considerable force encamped in the neighbourhood of saint-malo troops were quartered at combourg Monsieur de chateaubriand from a sense of courtesy offered an asylum in his house to the colonels of the regiments of turin and conti one of these was the duc de saint-simon the other the marquis de Cosin. every day twenty of the officers were invited to dine at my father's table the jocularity of these strangers annoyed me the walks which they took in the neighbourhood disturbed the peace of my favourite woods the sight of the marquis de Vignancourt galloping under the trees first suggested to my fancy images of travelling when i heard our guests talk of paris and of the court i felt oppressed with a strange sadness i began to form conjectures as to what society might be these were distant and confused and left me bewildered and disturbed like one who surveys the earth from some lofty tower whose summit seems to touch the clouds is seized with dizziness so did i feel while glancing at the world from the tranquil regions of youthful innocence one thing however charmed me this was the parade every day the regiment mounted guard and defiled at the foot of the flight of steps in the cour verte to the sound of the drum and other military music the marquis de cosin offered to show me the camp from the coast to which my father gave his consent Monsieur de morandais a man of good family who had been reduced by loss of fortune to undertake the management of the combourg estates accordingly took charge of me to saint malo he wore a coat of green camlet with a small silver collar round the throat and a cap of grey felt with a peak in front was drawn over his ears he placed me behind him on the croup of his mare isabella i held by the belt which he wore over his coat and to which his hunting-knife was attached i was enchanted when claude de bouillon and the father of the president de la moignon went as children into the country they were placed in baskets suspended on either side of an ass and as Lamoignon was lighter than his companion, a loaf of bread was placed in his pannier to preserve the balance. M. de Morandais took a cross-road, and cheerily did we make our way through wood and river, till we came to an abbey belonging to the Benedictines. As the number of monks who inhabited it had greatly decreased, they had just been removed to a head community of their order, and we found only the father procurator, who was left in charge of the disposal of the furniture and the removal of the fuel he however provided us with an excellent dinner of its kind it was served up in the room which had been the library of the prior and we regaled ourselves with an abundance of fresh eggs and pike and carp of an enormous size beyond the arch of a cloister i perceived some large sycamores bordering a piece of water the woodman's axe struck the venerable trees at the root their leafy summits trembled in the air and they fell as if to afford us a spectacle some carpenters from saint malo squared the fallen trunks and hewed off the green branches which fell to the earth like the flowing locks clipped from the head of a youthful novitiate my heart bled at the sight of these despoiled forests and of that deserted monastery 
the general sacking of religious establishments which has since taken place reminded me of the spoliation of this abbey to me the prognostic of a melancholy future on my arrival at st malo i found the marquis de cosin under his care i passed through the divisions of the camp the tents the piles of arms the noble war chargers formed a fine ensemble with the sea the vessels the fortifications and the distant spires of the city i saw one of those men the last of an era the duc de lausanne pass by at full gallop on a barbary steed the prince of carignan who had just arrived at the camp had married the daughter of monsieur de boisgarin who was rather lame but a very charming person this event caused a great sensation at the time and gave rise to a lawsuit which is still carried on by the elder monsieur de la Cretelle. but what has all this to do with my life in proportion says montaigne as the memory of my friends furnished them with circumstantial facts they digressed so much that if their narrations were of any worth it was completely neutralized and if otherwise woe to their good memory and bad judgment i have known the most entertaining topics rendered perfectly tedious by the manner in which they were related by some man of quality i fear i somewhat resemble this man of quality my brother who was at st malo when monsieur de la morandais brought me thither said to me one evening i will take you to the theatre get your hat i was out of my wits for joy and scarcely knew what i did i ran straight to the basement to fetch my hat which was up in the garret a company of strolling players had just landed i had seen puppet shows and imagined that at the theatre the polichinellos must be very superior to those in the streets with a palpitating heart i arrived at a wooden building in a deserted part of the town i entered one of the dark passages but not without a slight feeling of timidity a small door was opened and i suddenly found myself with my brother in a box which was already half filled the curtain was raised and the piece had just commenced they were acting le père de la famille i saw two men walking about the theatre talking to each other with everybody's eyes fixed upon them i took them for the managers of the puppet show who chattered before the lodge of madame Chigon, waiting the arrival of the audience i was only astonished that they should talk so loud of their own matters and that they should be listened to with such profound silence my amazement increased when i saw other persons come on the stage and begin gesticulating and weeping and then i saw that everybody began to weep as if by contagion the curtain fell without my having the slightest conception what all this meant my brother went to the green room between the pieces and when i was left alone among strangers which owing to my timid disposition was a real torment to me i heartily wished myself buried at college such was the first impression which i received of the art of sophocles and of moliere the third year of my residence at dol was marked by the marriage of my two elder sisters marianne married the count de marigny and benigne to the count de quebriac they accompanied their husbands to fougeres a signal as it were for the dispersion of our family the members of which were so soon to separate my sisters both received the nuptial benediction at combourg the same day at the same hour at the same altar in the chapel belonging to the castle they wept and so did my mother i was much surprised at their grief but i now understand it i am never present at a baptism or marriage without a smile of sadness or experiencing a feeling of oppression at my heart next to the misfortune of having been born i can imagine none greater than that of giving birth to another this same year a change took place in my mind as well as in my family chance threw into my hands two books of a very opposite tendency the one an unrevised horace the other a history of confession mal faite the revolution caused in my ideas by these two books is indescribable a new world opened before me 
on the one hand i suspected mysteries incomprehensible at my age an existence different from my own pleasures beyond my boyish games and charms of an unknown nature in a sex of which i had known only a mother and sisters on the other hand spectres dragging chains and vomiting forth fire announced to me eternal torments for a single unconfessed sin i could not sleep i fancied i saw black and white hands passing across my curtains i pictured to myself that the latter were cursed by religion and this idea increased my horror of those infernal spectres i sought in vain in heaven and in hell for the explanation of this twofold mystery attacked at once morally and physically my innocence still strove with the storms of premature passion and the terrors of superstition henceforth i experienced that youthful ardour which is the transmission of life i could explain the fourth book of the aeneid and read telemachus suddenly i discovered in dido and in eucharist beauties which enchanted me and became sensible to the harmony of those exquisite verses and of that ancient prose i one day translated the aeneidum genitrix hominum divumque voluptas of lucretius at sight with so much animation that m ego suddenly snatched the book from my hands and plunged me into the rudiments of greek i procured a tibulus by stealth when i arrived at the quam juvat imites ventos audiri cubantem those sentiments seemed to reveal to me my own nature the volumes of massillon which contained the sermons on the magdalen and the prodigal son i read unceasingly i was permitted to turn over those leaves for it was little suspected what interested me there i stole the little ends of the wax tapers from the chapel in order to read at night those seductive descriptions of the disorders of the soul i fell asleep muttering incoherent phrases in which i tried to infuse the sweetness the numbers and the grace of that writer who has best rendered into prose the euphony of racine if i have succeeded in painting with some truth the conflict of christian convictions with the disorders of the heart i am persuaded that i owe this success to the chance which made me acquainted at the same moment with two opposing empires the ravages which a bad book produced in my imagination found their corrective in the terrors inspired by another book and which spoke the more forcibly from the softness excited by undisguised representations End of chapter ten